from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. The court had ordered that Ms. Haddix provide us with proof of Tonka's death. He had forensics and crematorium experts testify that, for example, if you, if you cremate a, a person or any non-human animal in a crematorium at temperatures that are uh, the same or higher than were reported here, the, there would be a full skeleton remaining. Hmm. As I stated on the courtroom steps, I love those chimpanzees more than I did my, my two children. I'm Sarah Fenske. A federal judge in St. Louis has been grappling with an unusual question here in recent months. What happened to celebrity chimp Tonka? Tonka achieved fame in the late 90s. He starred in the movie Buddy. But co-star Alan Cummings said he was later shocked to learn that Tonka hadn't retired after the film to an animal sanctuary. Instead, he was living in a breeding compound in Festus. Connie Casey, who owned the compound, called herself the Missouri Primate Foundation. But PETA alleged that the chimps actually lived in Casey's, quote, filthy home in cages. PETA's attempts to get Tonka and his fellow chimps out of Casey's home is a legal battle that's been fought in the U.S. District Court in St. Louis for six years now. And the latest chapter may be the strangest to date. And joining us now with more is Jared Goodman. He is the PETA Foundation's vice president and deputy general counsel for animal law, and he's been litigating this case since its inception. Jared, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. So, Jared, the legal battle over Tonka and his fellow chimps began when Connie Casey actually sued PETA. This was back in 2016. What led her to go on the offense? So the Endangered Species Act, which is the the basis for this lawsuit, uh, requires that if a party is going to sue another party for allegedly violating the law, they must give them 60 days notice that to effectively allow the parties to negotiate and for the the party that's allegedly violating law to fix their problems. Um, So in this case, uh, PETA conducted an investigation in in 2014 that found that the chimpanzees at the so-called Missouri Primate Foundation, which was formerly called Chimp Party, were largely warehoused inside these cramped cells strewn with trash and their own waste. Um, chimpanzees were exhibiting signs of over-grooming, which can indicate psychological distress and um, being held in solitary confinement and other issues. Um, in 2016, a former volunteer at the facility came to us and confirmed all of these issues um, and described even more horrors there. Um, for example, one of the facility's former owners would punch the chimpanzees, throw shoes at them, mm. Uh, and they would tear baby chimpanzees away from their mothers so they could be used in entertainment or be sold for the pet trade. Uh, So after receiving this information, uh, PETA reviewed it and realized that this this appears to be a violation of the Federal Endangered Species Act because chimpanzees are protected under that law. Mm. Uh, So we went ahead and sent a notice of intent to sue to the Missouri Primate Foundation and and related parties. And rather than negotiating with us to get these chimpanzees to accredited sanctuaries where they can live in uh, lush conditions with some semblance of a natural life, 
Miss Casey and the, the other parties actually sued PETA trying to prevent us from filing our completely valid claims. And I think it's it's fair to say that that litigation on Connie Casey's part, that did not go so well. Um, Judge Catherine Perry dismissed her claims against PETA. She did not dismiss your counterclaims. She basically said you guys did have a right to try to intervene in these chimps' conditions. And that, again, that goes back to the Endangered Species Act. That's exactly right. The Endangered Species Act has a citizen suit provision that specifically is intended to allow private parties to enforce the law. The government has limited resources, um, can't investigate or pursue every instance of uh, abuse or inadequate care. So the legislature decided to give parties like PETA the ability to go in and enforce the law. And so there were some years of litigation on this case, but ultimately it led to a consent decree in September of 2020. What were the parties agreeing to at that point? Uh, By that time, um, we had entered into an agreement with uh, Connie Casey and Tanya Haddix. Um, Ms. Haddix was a a new party to the case. In 2019, after this case had been pending for several years already in what appears to be a a misguided and unsuccessful attempt to moot the claims, uh, Connie Casey transferred ownership of the remaining chimpanzees there to Miss Haddix. And, and um, I'm glad you brought up Tanya Haddix here. I actually spoke to Tanya Haddix yesterday. She told me that she had first contacted Connie Casey because she wanted to buy a baby chimp and that instead she kind of got pulled in to trying to help her find a solution here. Does that square with what you've learned in litigation? She really was an outsider to the Missouri Primate, Primate Foundation at, at the point when Connie made this transfer? Uh, Well, at at the point when the litigation began, certainly, um, our understanding is that she was an outsider, uh, but at some point she began volunteering and helping out with the chimpanzees Mm -hmm. um, to to supposedly to try to improve their care there, um, but but to no avail. So uh, later that year, as you mentioned, we entered this consent decree, uh, which is effectively a negotiated order by the parties that is then entered by the court. And this consent decree would allow uh, four of the chimpanzees to go to an accredited sanctuary, uh, the Center for Great Apes in Florida. And Ms. Haddix would be given the opportunity to keep three of the chimpanzees if she were able to build them an adequate enclosure, provide them with uh, expert caretaking, and other requirements like that just intended to ensure that the animals were appropriately cared for. And so this was a a very detailed uh, consent decree. There were some very specific things she agreed to do, and and she signed this, PETA signed this. This this could have settled this case. That's exactly right, and that was the intent of it. Um, She she was convinced that she would be able to take these steps to provide appropriate care for the chimpanzees, so we were happy to negotiate with her and give her the opportunity to do that. And built into the agreement were very specific timeframes by which um, you know, we had to receive updates on the status of the progress on building the new enclosures. And we learned very early on uh, that we weren't receiving appropriate updates. In fact, we were being told that uh, new enclosures were being built on a property that Ms. Haddix no longer was purchasing and had been abandoned a month before she insisted that all of the uh, the groundwork had been done at the facility. 
So you began to learn what she was attesting was going on. This wasn't what the situation was on the ground. Uh, what happened at that point? Unfortunately, we, we needed to pursue court intervention at that time um, and, and have filed several motions in relation to Ms. Haddix's failure to abide by the requirements that she negotiated, um, some of which she specifically requested we include in the agreement. Uh, so uh, Judge Perry, uh, fortunately, uh, again, she had entered this consent decree as a court order, uh, which means it has the effect of a court order. And in the decree, we agreed that if Ms. Haddix did not take the necessary steps, that all of the chimpanzees remaining there could be transferred to the sanctuary, not only the four that we initially had agreed to, but also the three who she was supposed to be able to keep if she had met the requirements of the decree. Okay. And then did this get far enough that, that Judge Perry did order for, for Tonka to then be transferred? That They gave up on, on Tanya Haddock's ownership here. That's exactly right. In July of this year, the court specifically ordered that all seven of the chimpanzees there, including Tonka, be transferred. Uh, Ms. Haddix made several statements to the media about her interfering with that transfer and not allowing for it. Uh, so we had to go back to court and get the court to enter an order that prohibited anyone from interfering with the transfer, and Ms. Haddix was actually banned from the property during the time of the transfer, so she couldn't interfere with it. So at the end of July, uh, we had arrived with our team of experts to move the chimpanzees from Festus to the sanctuary in Florida. And when we got there, we learned that there were only six chimpanzees, not seven, and Tonka wasn't there. And so when did you learn that Tanya was claiming that Tonka had actually died and that it wasn't that he had just died recently? He'd apparently died a few months before. We first learned that Tonka had supposedly died when Ms. Haddix uh, was making these claims to the media the day after the court ordered that the chimpanzees be transferred uh, back in May. Uh, so <laughs> we had never heard anything about this. Suddenly, when she was ordered to, to hand them all over, we learned that Tonka supposedly died. And you have some skepticism about that story. Is it mainly the timing that makes you skeptical that all of a sudden she's saying, oh, oh there's this court order. I, I can't actually follow this court order. This chimp is dead. Oh, Sarah, it's so much more than the timing. Um, <laughs> the court had ordered that Ms. Haddix provide us with proof of Tonka's death. And despite many, many requests to get some sort of proof, uh, initially we received nothing before ultimately receiving an email that was forwarded to us uh, from a man who said that he was given Tonka's body and burned Tonka on a burn pit on his property at uh, about 165 to 170 degrees. And as we all know from even just cooking in our own homes, 165 to 170 degrees is, is not a hot enough to burn a body. Um, we pointed this issue out and then received a subsequent declaration from the same person saying it was a typo. It was actually 10 times that temperature and that after Tonka's body was supposedly burned, he collected the ashes and gave them to Ms. Haddix. And, and, and Jared, you're, you're leaving out one very interesting part about this man's involvement. This wasn't just a random man. 
That's exactly right. What we were not told when we were first provided with this email was that this was actually Ms. Haddix's husband. They have different last names. You might not have, have figured this out. <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, we, we quickly did figure it out when we received the email, but they certainly did not flag that for us um, and presented it, um, assuming that we would presumably think it's some sort of independent uh, person who has who, who's not an interested party here. But of course, as Ms. Haddix's husband, he, he absolutely is. Uh, but notwithstanding his subsequent declaration, uh, <laughs> Really, the main problem here, and, and more so than the timing, is that what they've described happened is physically impossible. One cannot burn a body on a burn pit or, frankly, even in a commercial crematorium and turn that body to ash. That's simply not how bones return, uh, respond to fire. Uh, so at this uh, most recent hearing that we had in court about Tonka's whereabouts, he had forensics and crematorium experts testify that, for example, if you, if you cremate a, a person or any non-human animal in a crematorium at temperatures that are uh, the same or higher than were reported here, the, there would be a full skeleton remaining. Hmm. And so the fact she has not been able to produce this skeleton or even a photo of this skeleton, your suspicion is that Tonka is still alive somewhere? Well, she has insisted that all she has is a, is a powdery ash. And we know with certainty that that could not happen from what was described. Um, so we have no reason to believe that Tonka died. In fact, um, we have documentary evidence of her acknowledging that Tonka was alive just this past November. She explained that away at our most recent hearing um, and we believe was making up a story that uh, she named another animal Tonka after Tonka died, and that's who she was referring to when she texted her friend and said, Tonka needs groceries. Uh, Th that this, uh, is, but, this is a different Tonka, and so, no, Tonka's not alive. I was referring to Tonka Jr., so to speak. It, that's exactly right. And really, after this hearing where uh, she was making made this story um, and, and other statements like it, the, the court specifically found that she was making inconsistent and implausible statements. And the judge noted that she believed that Ms. Haddix was making up answers to questions as she goes along while she was under oath. Well, as I mentioned, I did speak to Tanya Haddix yesterday, and we're going to hear a lot more from her after the break. But before we take our break here, I do want to just get her side of this in here briefly. She told me that Tonka died, and she argued that it would be impossible for her to be hiding him somewhere. Well, first of all, if anybody knows about housing a chimpanzee, that would be pretty much a, an absurd statement. And Tanya Haddix noted that Tonka was about 250 pounds. She said it would have cost him $18,000 to ship him to his new home in Florida by PETA's own cost estimate. If it cost them $18,000 just to move one chimpanzee from Missouri to Florida, could you imagine what it'd be to be hiding and housing a chimpanzee for, they left in July and this is, um, you know, January. So how many ever months? Uh, the whole statement is crazy. 
So that is Tanya Haddix, uh, the woman who most recently had custody of the Chimp Tonka. We're talking today to Jared Goodman. He's PETA Foundation's vice president and deputy general counsel for animal law, has been working on this case now for more than six years. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with Jared and learn more about what Tanya Haddix is saying about Tonka's disappearance. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. We're talking about the curious and troubling case of a Missouri chimp named Tonka. He was living in Festus at the Missouri Primate Foundation. Um, There has been a lot of court evidence suggesting that that was a pretty squalid place there in Festus. The judge ordered that he be handed over to an animal sanctuary in Florida. That never happened. And the person who now owns or owned Tonka at that point, Tanya Haddix, is saying that Tonka died. And that's the reason she hadn't turned him over. My guest today is Jared Goodman. He's PETA Foundation vice president and deputy general counsel for animal law, has been fighting this case now for uh, about six years. As I mentioned before the break, we did talk to Tanya Haddix yesterday. So she told me, here's her version of what happened here. She told me that Tonka suffered a massive stroke and that this was in April of 2021. He basically had lost so much muscle mass and he was basically half the shell of the chimp that he was from January to May. Mm -hmm. So he was declining rapidly. So my vet at that point discussed euthanizing Tonka, and I just could not feel in my heart by looking at his eyes and stuff that he was ready to be euthanized. So I begged him to give me the opportunity for a couple weeks to try to um, you know, work with him on the meds to try to, you know, he, he, he didn't, he wasn't in any pain. So I didn't feel like that that was an issue because I would never want an animal to suffer. Um, but I also felt like he still had quality of life and that's where, um, my vet and I were bouncing off on whether Tonka still had quality of life or not. I felt he did have some, so I wanted to give him the opportunity to try to gain some strength to get him better, to see if we could revive him. Um, and during that, those two weeks, he passed away. Now, Tanya Haddock said that her vet lives three hours away, so she didn't call him to come back after Tonka died. I'm not opposed to euthanization. I'm not opposed to any of that stuff, but I'm a big ball bag whenever it comes to the animals, just like I broke down in court. Even talking about it gets you upset because I love those kids more than anything in life. As I stated on the courtroom steps, I love those chimpanzees more than I did my, my two children that I have. So it was devastating. All I knew, I mean, it was a Sunday. I tried to call the crematorial because there would have been documentation with the crematorial, but there was no crematorial. They did not answer my page. Then I called my husband, and he said, Tony, that body's not going to be any good. It's going to be nasty. You're going to have to get him out of there. So I consented. He was on his way back from Montana. I consented for him to come get him, and he came and got him. 
So that is Tanya Haddock speaking with us yesterday. Uh, Jared Goodman, what, what strikes you as you hear her version of what supposedly happened here? That it is an ever-changing story. Um, for example, even this, this uh, supposed statement that Ms. Haddox was calling around to different crematoriums, but they, they didn't return her call, is an entirely new story um, that she didn't indicate to us when we had asked for evidence and that she didn't state in court when telling the story about what happened with Tonka. Um, in fact, we've looked into crematoriums in the St. Louis and, and Missouri area and found that there are places that are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, including on holidays, and would cremate a chimpanzee. So again, the story just does not add up. She also told us that she has offered to let PETA search her house, that, that she's, you know, she's an open book here. You guys could just come in um, and that this would be the natural place for him to be if he was still alive. But you haven't taken her up on that offer. Is that the case? Uh, there's no reason for us to believe that Tonka is in her home. Um, she, she lives somewhere that, to our knowledge, doesn't have an enclosure for a chimpanzee. Um, Tonka is an adult and a dangerous chimpanzee. He wouldn't just, you know, simply be living in the house like a child. Um, and what uh, Ms. Haddock's didn't inform you is that she is also an animal broker. Her profession is brokering the sale of exotic animals to different people. So she has an entire network of individuals who could potentially house Tonka for her, uh, where she can still visit him and prevent him from being sent to the sanctuary. So and when she talked about originally reaching out to Connie Casey because she wanted to buy a baby chimp, this is a business for her. That's exactly right. I, I do think in that instance, she was looking to buy a baby chimp for herself to, to keep that chimpanzee and use them as a pet, um, which is uh, has been common. And that and frankly, the Miss Casey and the Missouri Primate Foundation was ground zero for breeding chimpanzees for the pet trade uh, until this lawsuit. Uh, but beyond that, um, she yeah, her profession is to take exotic animals from people offer them up for sale and deliver them to the buyer. So you believe Tonka could be almost anywhere in the country at this point? That's exactly right. So there was a court hearing where this was all aired in front of Judge Catherine Perry. Uh, Tanya Haddix provided some answers, as you say, possibly different answers than, than what she told us yesterday. You also presented the evidence and, and your questions about what happened here. What happened then in that hearing? Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, that was the hearing where um, we had our experts testify um, that the story that Ms. Haddix has provided and, and her husband's email and declaration didn't add up. What they describe had happened to Tonka is a physical impossibility. So not only was it a changing story, but the story that they ultimately settled on is a physical impossibility. Um, the court ultimately found that we did establish that Tanya Haddix failed to show that Tonka actually died. And she found that Ms. Haddix was making inconsistent and implausible statements, and, and she felt that she was making up responses to questions. Ultimately, uh, although the court was not convinced that Tonka died, we, there also was no evidence that Tonka is presently living because uh, we have not been able to get eyes on him. So the court ultimately uh, decided to hold off on taking any further action here, but expressly retained jurisdiction in the case 
for us to be able to present any evidence of Tonka's whereabouts if we should come upon that information. So you were hoping that the judge would hold Tanya Haddix in contempt of court. Do you feel like it's a missed opportunity to, to get at the truth that that didn't happen? Uh, we, we certainly were pushing for it for that reason. Um, we, we do think that a contempt finding might have made Ms. Haddix be more truthful uh, about the situation. Um, again, regardless of what happened, it, it is clear that we are not getting the truth given the fact that the story keeps changing. Um, so a, a contempt finding and some sanctions would probably go a long way towards getting to the truth. Um, but we, we understand why the court ended up where she did um, and will continue searching for Tonka um, until we have confidence that he is in fact dead. So what happens next here? I mean, you've had a number of whistleblowers throughout this case giving you information. Short of somebody coming forward saying, I know where Tonka is, is there anything PETA can do at this point? Well, we certainly will, will do everything on our end to try to locate Tonka, um, apart from receiving information from a whistleblower. Um, and as we discussed, he, he could potentially be anywhere if he is still living. So uh, we, we certainly have our work cut out for us, but um, that's not something we're going to let up on. Uh, Tonka deserves to live in an accredited sanctuary where instead of a barren cage, he can have a lush outdoor habitat where he can freely roam and explore and play with other rescued chimpanzees, just like all the other chimpanzees who were rescued from this hellhole. So as for Tanya Haddix, um, she told us that she's now battling leukemia. She said she just wants this whole thing to be over. You know, I've, I, I've tried everything to, to fix the situation. I have tried to offer PETA anything and everything that I possibly could. I invited them out to my house to come take a look at my house, because if they think I've got a chimp in my house, they're welcome to come look. And so she did acknowledge that she wishes she had better documented what, again, she insists that it was Tonka's death. She also said she thinks she could have won a court battle, but she said she chose not to fight because her lawyer told her it would take three to five years to win it. And that is in terms of, you know, turning him over in the first place, which she didn't want to do. She did say that today she believes the chimps previously at the Missouri Primate Foundation are in a good place. If I would have got the emergency stay, I would have fought long, long, I don't care, 10 years. But what happened was when they got transferred, I knew that they were going to be adjusted to that environment for three to five years. And I was not going to do the same thing that I'm accusing PETA of, which is to uproot them, take them away from people that they're used to caregiving for them and the, the home that they now are used to and drag them back to a new facility that they, even though they would know me, but they, they don't know anything else. And I wasn't going to do that to them kids because I love those kids enough to do what's right by those kids. And so that, again, is Tanya Haddix with, with her side of this ongoing legal dispute. Again, Jared Goodman, anything that, that stands out to you as you hear her side of this? Uh, certainly a failure to acknowledge that the conditions they were living in were, were really inadequate for them. You know, at, the, at the time that we filed this lawsuit, we had one chimpanzee who's, who's a highly complex individual and social was being held in solitary confinement. Others were never allowed access to the outdoors. USDA 
the United States Department of Agriculture, which enforces the Federal Animal Welfare Act, their inspections over the years confirmed at the Missouri Primate Foundation insect infestations, feces smeared on the cage bars, and the smell of ammonia so strong that it was difficult to breathe there. Um, these uh, people at, at the Missouri Primate Foundation just did not have the ability or the space to provide these animals with the care that they require to meet their complex needs. And accredited sanctuaries and, and zoos are able to do that. Um, and there is simply no question, and I think Ms. Addicts is implying that a bit in her statement, that they're better off where they are. So people may remember that infamous, that terrible case from Connecticut in 2009 where Travis the Chimp um, ripped the face off of a woman there. That was a very high-profile case. Travis was born at the Missouri Primate Foundation. Again, this, this breeding compound where you're describing uh, what that situation, what those conditions were like there. Even though we don't know where Tonka is today, um, it, 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 you continue to believe that Tanya Haddix is, is not telling the truth about his death. That remains to be seen. Um, but even if that is the case, that he's out there somewhere, do you feel good about the fact that this Missouri Primate Foundation no longer has any chimps on site? Yes, absolutely. Um, and part of the consent decree also was uh, Connie Casey and Tanya Haddix agreeing to never possess or, or own a chimpanzee ever again. Um, so knowing that uh, these animals are not going to be held in the, the squalid and, and fully inadequate conditions at that Festus property is, is a huge victory. And of course, a, a huge victory for the eight individual chimpanzees who through this lawsuit are have now been transferred to sanctuaries where they're thriving. So, Travis, in our, our final minute here, there seems to be such a bigger issue in this case. This is not just one random place in Festus, Missouri, where this was going on. Uh, you know, Tonka was in Hollywood. Chimps are being used in things like greeting cards and, and in films. Do you think that uh, places like that bear some blame when a chimp like Tonka ends up in a situation like this after his acting career is done? Absolutely. Um, and P PETA has long pushed, and I think successfully, for the end of the use of, of great apes and other wild animals in TV and movie productions and, and for all entertainment purposes. Um, many of the cards that you see, the greeting cards with chimpanzees dressed up, those are Connor, who, has now been who was at the Missouri Primate Foundation, born there, and has now been transferred to a sanctuary. So a lot of these images are older. Uh, more and more film productions are using fantastic CGI that enables them more options um, and looks realistic and, of course, is far safer for the humans involved and, unquestionably, the chimpanzees and other animals who uh, are used when they're very young and after several years uh, when they can't be used for entertainment because they're too big and too strong, they end up warehoused at a facility like this. Well, this is, this is such a troubling story on so many levels, um, but it's good to know there are not any chimps anymore at the Missouri Primate Foundation in Festus. Jared Goodman, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, and I hope you'll update us if you learn more about Tonka. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And, and we look forward to letting you know that we found him and that, that he's been transferred to a sanctuary as well. Jared Goodman is the PETA Foundation's Vice President and Deputy General Counsel for Animal Law.
Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.